If you're sitting down with the couple's in-laws at dinner, would you tell that same story to them sitting right there with you? If that answer is yes, go ahead and tell it. But if that answer is no, then... And now. <laughs> aye, aye. I'm the captain now. <laughs> Coming to you from the K2 studios in San Diego, California. This sounds great. You sound amazing. I always sound amazing. It's the world famous... Everybody sit off like BFS. Chris and Christine Show. Hey, what's happening, everybody? How are you doing today? Thank you so much for listening. And I am Chris. And I'm Christine. And welcome to episode 121 of the Chris and Christine Show. Do, 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 do. Our show could drink alcohol twice. 121. Twice? Well, we had 21. First episode was one. 21, 21. Now we're on 121. So 100 times over 21. That's then. what I meant to say. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. You're, <laughs> so, you're so. so much better than I am at this speeching. Uh, at the speeching? <laughs> at the speeching. TikTok, talk, talk. <laughs> okay, goofball. <laughs> well, happy Monday. This oh, is like, my goodness. we don't normally podcast this late in the week. We normally release by Sunday, but uh, there's a reason and we'll get into it in a little bit why we delayed just a little bit today. You know, today is, uh, it was, oh, I'm sorry, yesterday was Daylight Savings Day or Daylight, what is it now? Daylight? It's Daylight Savings. Are you sure? Yeah. What's it go the other way? It's not Daylight Savings, something else, right? It's Daylight Savings ends. Daylight Savings begins. All I know is that we had a it's sp- daylight savings. spring forward and fall back with Right, the so we get an extra hour of daylight. Right. An yes. extra, not so much hour of sleep. You lose sleep. Yes, you do. But guess what today is? It's Monday. You just said it's that. It's Pi Day. Is it really? 3.14. Oh, I think like actual like cherry pie or like Well, people eat pie. pie on Pi Day, but it's because it's like the mathematical equation for Pi 3.14. Listen, I don't. I didn't know that growing up in school. So what does it mean? 3.14? What's that 3. mean? 3.14 is Pi in math. In math. Speak. So you eat pie in class. No, pe- Well, that's what a lot of teachers do just to make Pi Day fun. Right. So because nothing fun about Pi Day. Right? Well, Pi Day activities 3.14. What does it mean? What does he do with that? I just told you, March 14th, 3.14 is the same number for Pi. <gasps> it is? Mine just got blown. You're dingbat today. Wow. Check that out. Anyways, so do you know what else it is officially? It's Christine's birthday week. It's my birthday week. Christine has a birthday cut off this week. I sure do. So what's in the plans for my birthday? Fantastic stuff. Like what? A bunch of fantastic wrapped up with a big fantastic bow. <laughs> that means diddly squat because <laughs> the question is, Chris, have you actually, have you planned anything for my birthday? I have planned. Your birthday, of course I have, babe. Come on now. No, you haven't. What kind so of I've husband would I be if I didn't plan? Don't make me. You'd have that. you have a birthday on the twentieth. Don't don't make me answer that because you planned nothing. <laughs> I, on the other hand, have planned everything. Oh, you did? I did. Well, I'm about to cancel my plans ahead for you and go with yours. What I you know, <laughs> I know. So why don't you get on the phone? Oh wait, you didn't plan anything. Oh, I have to call all these people, cancel these private jets, <laughs> cancel this yacht I had booked. I know. Oh, private chef and the private island i booked for us but don't worry about it. i'll cancel all that stuff we'll go with you had instead. thank you thank you i would like it to be a little bit more low-key than what you yeah planned, i mean i had know? everything planned but you know go ahead with you is it got. refundable i don't know i don't know maybe i mean i did put <laughs> the house up for collateral but whatever but what's money <laughs> yeah, that's right who cares you know but whatever is important important is that it's your birthday and we're gonna have something fun on your birthday well we are gonna have something fun on my birthday so it's gonna be a very fun day 
I am, I think I'd mentioned this before, having a branding photo shoot done for me for my business. You have, and you did. Yeah, so I'm having the makeup artist come over in the morning. Um, She's going to be here around 11.30, I think, on Sunday, and she's going to do my makeup, and then I'm going to go get my hair done. You're going to leave here to get your hair done? Yeah, I'm going to leave here to get my hair done, and then I'm going to come back. And when I come back, the babysitter will be showing up because I hired a babysitter for us. Him or her? What's her name? Her name is, I think it's Haley or Leah. I have to look it up. All right. But um, I went through care.com. I've been like thinking that we need to start having more time for dates because, I don't know, we just really don't really get time out together and... I don't mean that like for people to feel bad for us, but if you think about I'd it. I'd say you can feel bad for us. Well, we work a lot during the week and then we have kiddos all weekend, which I know is like a lot of people, but you know, it's really important, especially because we're still technically newlyweds and we never get to go out on dates and kind of feel like old people. I know, a quick falling into that old person rhythm, you know, where it's like right. work, sleep, back up, work again. And-, and it just makes us cranky. So I asked myself, what did I want for my birthday? And I want quality time with my hubby on my birthday so so i got a babysitter and she'll be showing up at 3 30 and then you and i are going to drive over and do my photo shoot it starts at 5 30 and um i asked if you could come with me i don't know if you're going to get to hop into any of the photos but but i know you went and got a haircut today just for the photo shoot i'm like all styled up i know so i think you're gonna shout out to supercuts by the way yeah i think you're gonna figure out how to get your way into my photos but um photo bomb the back yeah sign hey (laughs) And then we need to make reservations for dinner because we have a babysitter until 1030 that night. Can you Whoa, believe that? Late. I know. They're actually going to put the kids to bed and we're going to get to come home and just enjoy my birthday. Oh, fantastic. Is that okay? Hey, I, I just th- wanted to spend yes, time I alone was, together. I, that's my, that is my love language, by the way. Spending time with you is my love language. And it's not that I don't want to be around the kids. I love our kids. It's just that... You know, I've been working a lot, and so have you been working a lot, and especially since your work is going to start putting you on overtime, I think it's really important that you and I get to slow down and, like, take time to connect together, and I thought it would be really fun. You always talk about wanting to be part of my wedding business and doing stuff with me, and so I was like, well, I'll get us a babysitter so that you can come and be with me for my photo shoot. Oh, that's very, very sweet. Hey, speaking of that, going back Mm -hmm. to the original thing you said about having your makeup all done. At a, was it uh, one o'clock? No, eleven thirty. Eleven thirty. Is they are they doing it here or are you going somewhere to do that? They're coming here to do my makeup in the morning. How many people? How long will it take? What are you saying about me? It takes one person to do my makeup. Do I, you think that it's going to take that much to make me look I beautiful? Don't, listen, do I think I know how this stuff works? I don't know how this stuff works. <laughs> I just thought I have like a crew and like a full on like. What, you know, team? Like, like a jackhammer to like jackhammer <laughs> off the old, the like, old, like the a, ugly, <laughs> like a pit crew or something. You come through. No, I didn't know how it worked. I thought maybe like it was. It was, it was one person comes over here. Yeah, her name's Bonnie. She did my makeup for our wedding. Okay, so Bonnie comes over here and she does your whole makeup thing. Now, how long does it take to do that? I know that uh, in Hollywood, like it takes a, a long time. Like but an hour and a half. An hour and a half. Yeah, because she'll do lashes for me and. Um, she'll, yeah, she'll take her time. Do you have like a makeup chair you sit in? Like she bring a chair? She brings it. Really? Yeah, she brings the whole setup. So we're going to use our coffee table that's in the sitting room, the one that lifts up. That whole surface, she'll have all of her stuff on it. So you're doing it in there. Uh Uh-huh. Now, what is your go-to makeup get ready music? Oh, that's a really good question. Do you you have makeup music? I know, but I need to create a playlist for it. But you know what I would love? 
on that day is if you are totally like my paparazzi. So if you're like with the Instagram, like taking stories, like videoing it and sending it to me and documenting my birthday. But you can't look at while you're on in the chair. No, but I want you to like take little stories and then you could like send it to me because then it's like for my my whole crew, my K2 or not my K2, my Christine Smith Designs followers that they can like have a day in the life of Christine Smith, like her birthday slash branding photo shoot day. Oh, okay, great. Now, what's uh, is that website again, by the way? Oh, my website? It's yeah. christinesmithdesigns.com, and that's Christine with a K. There you and go. And you can find me on Instagram at Christine Smith Designs. And I have been getting so many followers over the last two weeks. It's crazy. No way. Yeah, I think I have like 60 or 70 new followers over on Instagram, like real people. Really? Not, not ro- robots. Not, not robots. No, huh? not robots. Like real people. Oh, that's fantastic. You know, it's funny. I just mentioned this the other day at a post on Twitter on the on a, on a Christine Christine Show um, Twitter page, which is at K2 Show San Diego. I posted, I said, hey, uh, please no more podcast promoters hitting us up saying that they can uh, promote our podcast for oh, us. get us get us little followers and all that kind of stuff. You can't really purchase your way to the top. I know Instagram advertises that too. They'll say, hey, you probably get a lot of them doing your feed that say <sighs> like, hey, we'll buy you X amount of followers or yeah. X amount of whatever. Maybe. First of all, it gets you blocked on Instagram. Second of all, they're robots. We don't want those. Who gets poo blocked? They get you blocked? Yeah, if you buy followers, they'll block you on Instagram. No way. Yeah, Twitter too, deact- I'm sure. Yeah, they'll deactivate your account. Oh, that's crazy. Because you know? it's like trying to get your, like buying your way to getting an the little blue check mark, like the verified kind of. How do you even get that? By the way, you just have to have enough followers. I seen people or be with, a public figure. Yeah, I seen people with low follower numbers have the check mark. So yeah. I wonder how that worked. How you get that? Well, sometimes. So if you work for the media, you can get a verified um, account. So like if you work for like a news, news station or something, yeah. or something like that, you can get verified. Or if you're a public figure, like a. My sister, she was a uh, verified on, I think it was on Facebook and then, or no, it was on Instagram. Somebody hacked her account and no they way. stole it. And then they were like, I don't know, some foreign person posing as her. It was bad. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah. But anyway, so my birthday is coming up and that's about all that's happening for me this week. I've just been, I'm going to be traveling for work this week. You are again? Yes, I know. You, you were just traveling me. on Sunday and Friday. You were just traveling somewhere with the two older kids, someplace fun and magical. But that wasn't work. That Yeah, so I, I traveled last week, Sunday through Wednesday, and then I got home and was home on Thursday and then... I took the older boys up to Six Flags Magic Mountain for a belated birthday trip for Ezekiel and uh, Jacob went with us too because, well, we had a celebration down here and something happened where it just got completely ruined and so we had to make it up to the boys for the, the older boys and so I took them and we stayed at a hotel and then they ran around Magic Mountain all day and they walked like 11 miles that day. I had did not go on this trip, but I've been to Magic Mountain before. And for those who do not know what Magic Mountain, Six Flags, Six Flags. Magic mm-hmm. Mountain is, it's a roller coaster theme park. And I think it has one of the largest collection of roller coasters in the world. I think it's got like 20 like major roller coasters. We're not talking like small roller coasters, like 20 like major roller coasters this place has. And the kids, I guess they went on a bunch of them, right? Yeah, they went on a bunch of them. I went on a ride too. Oh, you, I saw that on your Instagram. I might have like, just been a carousel. <laughs> it was so scary. <laughs> the carousel of terror. I know. <laughs> I just was like, mm, I like the little cushy 
the bench that they have on the carousel because I'd been sitting in the metal chairs and walking around following the kids around all day. And I was like, I'm going to go sit down. And then I was like lounging. And then this this mom and dad came and sat right next to me. And I was like, you totally messed with my mojo. Because I was like ready to lounge and like take a nap and so everything. you're going to lay out on the whole bench? Why not? Like a homeless person Living just take large. the whole bench, huh? Hey, hey, not like a homeless person, like a person who was tired from theme parking. I guess so. You know, <laughs> I know I, I went there maybe like seven years ago to that place. And I thought I still had it in me to ride like, oh, I used to ride that ride. No problem. Viper it has like seven loops and it's really tall and fast. I can ride that. No problem. First thing we went on, I was on that ride. And I got off that thing and I was like, oh, no, I can't do this no more. And when you say we, who was the we that I'm you I'm not mentioning with? the we, the other, the other half. <laughs> it was a date. All right. Go down from me. Okay. It was a date. Let, let's tell the story. It was a date that you went on and you got caught because you were seeing somebody else at the time, Mr. Okay. Cheater. I wasn't cheating. My girl I was with. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> so the story goes like this. This was before Christine, way before Christine. By I was dating a girl off and on for a few years. We were together hot and heavy in the beginning and it kind of faded and then kind of went, we broke up and then kind of we, we hung out a little bit and it was kind of off and on, but we stayed close for the most part. But while we were kind of that off and on, you know, off, I guess more, I thought it was an off period. You thought it was off. It was like, it's like the friends, we were on a break. It was totally a break. As far as I'm concerned, it was a break. So I met another girl. We're kind of doing other things, doing some stuff. And uh, she wanted to take me on, on my vacation, on a vacation during the summer. She asked me if I wanted to go to Magic Mountain. And I'm like, um, sure, why not? Right. So then I'm up at Magic Mountain with this other girl that I was kind of dating. Now, my other, kind of dating or were dating? I guess I was dating. You were dating. You were dating her. Okay, I was dating her. And then while I'm up there, it was on a Saturday, right? Because I used to work Saturday. So I had Saturday off that week, right? So I went there on a Saturday. So I was up there. And then the, my previous girl texts me a couple of times. She calls me and texts me a couple of times. And then I write back, like, I can't, uh, you want to hang out today? I said, I can't. I'm up at Magic Mountain. And she's like, who you're up at Magic Mountain with? And I said, a friend. And she and she was like, wait a second, are you there on a date? OMG, OMG. And then that was it and I heard nothing. And then that kind of ruined my whole mojo the rest of the trip. So um Yeah. Well, that's what happens when you just try to dip your pen into too many ink wells. So, <laughs> I guess I did. So you are reformed and this time you stayed home from Six Flags and I took two boys that just happened to be our kids <laughs> that's true that is true you know so but uh, yeah that was the last time i was there and uh, i did ride a few of the crazy rides not the two crazy rides but some of the crazier rides i, I rode you know and stuff mm -hmm. but um but yeah it was a good time yeah i didn't go on anything other than the carousel i took my phone with me and i had battery backup and so i was doing some work for the business and um just was there for the boys and spoiled them and then took them souvenir shopping at the end to bring something home for everybody. But uh, yeah, it was just a, it's been a busy couple of weeks. But what have you been up to, Chris? Well, of course, I, uh, what have I been doing this week? Now I think about it, you know, I had uh, work. God, work has been kind of crazy lately with the gas prices. I don't know what it is in your neck of the woods, but the gas prices here have been like so expensive. They keep going up and up and up. Wait, did you just say you don't know where the prices have been in my neck of the woods? I live here with you, Not dude. You, I'm talking about the listener. Oh, the listeners. Okay. Yeah. Hello. So uh, the price has been so crazy that uh, people have been really fighting for gas right now. I know that if you go to a Costco, I drove by a Costco the other night at like 830 at night. I didn't even know the place was even open that late. 
And the line was around the street, down the street to get in the place to buy gas. Now, since you drive a truck that is like a fuel truck, how has that impacted your work? Are you guys like, do you have gas? Not like well, know, tooting it's, it's gas, ca- but ca- like actual fuel. Yeah, the, the joke that goes by, it's like a great place to find gas for $1.69. Taco Bell. Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> so, but... Uh, but no, gas has been kind of crazy. I think it's kind of weird. A lot of the crazy things have been happening in my work lately. It's like either we have gas or we don't have gas or they're trying to save what we have for this or for that. So they're having us go to L.A. to get gas like every day this week. And it's it's I don't know what's going on, really. It's been kind of a mishmash of trying to figure things out. And all I know is that they give me work to do. I do it. So I'm kind of busy. And I know that up in Los Angeles area, they're hiring another 20 drivers because they're behind wow. and they need more trucks and more drivers and this and that. But uh, with the gas prices going crazy, I always thought that people would try to like not drive as much. I, I want to bet that you can't even find an electric car for sale in a dealership. If there right. is, it's probably a waiting list for it. Actually, I thought about that today. I was like, I kind of like that new Kia. I saw a commercial for it on the TV today. It was in that commercial with a cute little dog that's like electric dog. looks like Clover, but it's electric. Uh-huh. It was in the Super Bowl. The commercial and the dog is like running, chasing the Kia car, okay. and he jumps, and his power dies, and he like, <laughs> and then the guy takes the plug from the car and charges the dog. The dog gets all up, excited, gets in the window, you know, driving up the thing. Anyways, I don't kind of car that is. I think it look kind of cool. I was looking into that, it's like, oh, maybe one of those things because I bet you everybody right now is googling electric cars because the prices. Yeah. So how have you been feeling about your truck lately? Like I love the thing to death. Trust me. And I want to drive it, but I'm like, oh man, I'm trying to step on this gas pedal. It's like, there goes 50 bucks. Yeah. You know, it's funny is that my truck is not a Ford Raptor. It looks like a Ford Raptor, but it's not a Ford Raptor. Because it's a Roush. It's a Roush. Now the it's a Roush off-road with the V8. Now it's just for funsies. I was kind of curious. The, the Ford Raptor has the V6, the 3.5 liter V6. Right, but it's very similar to my truck. So it's got a V6, similar you know design, similar tires and lift and all that. To my truck's got a V8, although the Raptor gets worse gas mileage. Oh, I was looking into that. It gets like 18 miles a gallon um, highway, and my truck is rated at 22 on the on the highway. But what do you actually get? I haven't taken it on a long flat road to really find out. But I do take it on a long road trip. I get like in the low 20s, 21 Okay, that's not so bad. Yeah, but it's only if you take a long road trip. Like we went to um, Air- like Arrowhead that one time. Uh-huh. I think I got pretty decent, close to close to 20-ish, you know. So that. how many miles is it t- for you to and from work, basically? Uh, I think it's about 20-ish. Maybe so you're basically spending like a gallon each way. So if we were to add it up, it's basically like 13 dollars a day if you counted it up or 14 dollars a day to drive to and from work so that's pricey like for me well but don't forget there's a lot of hills in san diego too that's what i'm saying that's why i rounded up because like if it's 550 a gallon that would be 11 dollars. so it's like 13 or 14 dollars uh total but for my car i get really good gas mileage in my car but it is definitely expensive driving right now and so i've just found that i kind of like stay home more but um, you know, it's I went I rent a car now. I like I'll fly. Last week I did the train back and forth to the Central Valley because it was a lot cheaper. And then I'll fly up there and then just rent a car for like fifty bucks a day. And I get these cute little energy efficient uh, cars that have like eco mode on them, so it's super inexpensive. But we're just having to figure out a lot of ways around spending so much money. I know, and that's why I try to drive the, the Z. Uh, more speaking of the Z, I did get her new shoes over the weekend. I didn't know that cars have shoes. Oh, come on now, new tread, baby, new treads on our feet. 
And the tires, babe. Come oh, on. tires. I come was on. like, I was literally sitting here thinking, what is he talking about? Oh, at this come moment? on. I know. So the Z got some new tires. First set of tires that I've bought for the thing since I've owned her. Seriously? It, yeah. Well, I didn't drive her that much. You neglected much. her. Well, the tires that came on and were like racetrack slick type of tires, which were horrible in the rain. They did slip a lot. And they were getting worn down. They're great for shredding. I like if you want to do some donuts and burnouts. Great for that. But not so much for like rain driving. And do you shred and do donuts? Hey, that's a legend, by the way. That's a legend. <laughs> so, a legend? <laughs> so, but. Um, but Legends the t- of the Z. I know. So the, t- so the tires I did get were more of like, I said to the guys, I said, hey, I want more of like an all weather. Some tires I could use in the rain or the dirt. Well, not like I'm going to take the truck car off roading, but for all kinds of road conditions, because the roads here aren't quite the greatest. And when's the last time you've seen a very smooth road anywhere in San Diego without potholes? I don't know if I've ever seen one like that. Exactly. <laughs> Even in like a parking lot, they're all really crummy. Right. So the tires I had were for like, it worked great if the road was completely smooth like glass, but you mm-hmm. never you never have a road like that. So I got more of a traditional, the same size tire, but more of a traditional tread pattern. So it handles that, that kind of stuff. So uh, that's what I did on the sa- Saturday. Yeah. And then on Sunday, Christine over here had this great idea to take all of us to the movies. Yes, I forgot that we went to the movies to kick off birthday week. Yeah, we went and saw that movie Uncharted, which is based on a video game, I heard. I loved that movie. I thought it was so cute. It was great. We had all the kids there all watching it, all getting our food at this uh, dine-in movie theater. I, just, I never really did the dine-in theater before. I know. You're so picky that when I've talked about the dine-in movies, you're like, I don't know. I don't like the idea of like sitting there and eating my food while I watch them away. I thought it was kind of weird having like people bring you food. Like, hey, you're missing the best part. You're bringing your food to you. You know, kind But of they thing. did it right at the beginning. Oh, that's true. So yeah. how did you feel about it now that we actually did it in like the right environment? It was actually pretty good. The only thing, the only complaint I would say, only complaint. Oh, so you have to complain. Well, hey, what when do I not? Okay, what do I ahead. not? You know what I'm saying? The only play I would have to say is that it's a little bit uh, – it's a movie theater after all. So it is darker. So right. you're like, what am I eating here? And the – so when I've done the dine-in movies before, they have the trays that they rotate closer to you. So you can actually make them like almost like a TV tray right in front of you. These ones stood right off to the side. No, they moved over. You didn't do it. You could swivel it. You could have swiveled it in front of you. I didn't know that. <laughs> I was trying to make it work. It the never kids, did that. Yeah, I, I did that, but I didn't, like, I didn't like the position of it, so I put it back. I tried to do it, and it didn't do it for mine. But then this one over here is sitting next to me. You were sitting right next to me, and you're like, oh, my butt is getting really hot right now. And I was, oh, like, was. I was like, Chris, it's because they have automatic seat heaters I on them. I bumped it somehow. Yeah. I, was to, I was trying to find the button for the actual recliner button because it's a remote uh, recliner switch. And, and you like, kept pushing I kept pushing all these on. buttons down here. I'm like, what button is it? And then like, I'm like, I'm fire. I'm like, what's going on here? But it was really nice to have a weekend where we can relax. I mean, I know that I had the boys and I was super busy on Saturday with them. And then we had a low-key Sunday, but that's because I had no weddings this past weekend. You know, weddings are great. And one thing I love about weddings is that I bet you this happens a lot. Is you get like the best man speech. It's just like drunk and like, hey, let me tell you about Joe. Oh. Joe and I go way back. Remember a time in Vegas? Hey, and that one girl, what was your name? Sheila? <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you, I have definitely some stories about wedding toasts and wedding speeches. And if it was up to me, 
I would have a requirement that all of my people that are going to give toasts at a wedding go through some kind of a class before they're allowed to give it. And speaking of that, we have a fantastic guest this week who's going to tell us all of the secret tips about how to give your best speech and toasts. And he's going to be back with us right after this. Hey, thank you so much for being a loyal listener of The Chris and Christine Show. And as that you are a loyal listener, we have a very fun opportunity for you to get involved with the show. Ooh, tell me more. If you like to get exclusive content you can't get anywhere else and to receive free merchandise shipped to you every single month. Ooh, I want that. Then head over to patreon.com slash The Chris and Christine Show. That is patreon.com slash the Chris and Christine show. And welcome back, everybody. Today, we have another fantastic VIP guest. He is a speechwriter and an author. Welcome to the show, Eddie Rice. Thank you. I am happy to be here. Well, the crowd loves you, Eddie. Thanks for showing up, buddy. We appreciate it. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. Now, how was the ride over here on our personal private jet? You are the first of our guests to ride our personal jet over here. Oh, it was absolutely wonderful. I'm glad that you guys are doing this for all your guests. Yes. And, you know, we hope that the bottle of Dom Perignon was to your satisfaction. Of course. <laughs> well, hey, well, hey, what was the pilot today? Was it Joe or, or was it Bob? Because uh, we kind of alternate uh, our pilots yeah, from, uh, you time know, to time. We just, you know, got to give all of them a little bit of work. But in all seriousness, Eddie, where are you joining us from today? I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. Cleveland, Ohio? Wow, go Browns, huh? Oh, man. Every year. <laughs> every year, it's the same same story. We're, this is going to be the year. This is going to be the year. And then, like in the Ron Howard voice, it was not the year. Uh, well, Tom Brady just came out of retirement, so maybe he's going to join the Browns. No, <laughs> no, I don't think so. He's with he's with the Buccaneers. Yeah, he's going back business. over there. Well, at least you guys still have your team. I mean, San Diego, the Chargers decided to take off and leave. I know, right? L.A. Chargers. Yeah, now? very yeah. sad. It is. I mean, what are you going to do? You know? Yeah, at least you're stuck with you. Ours just abandoned the city altogether. <laughs> Oh, well, wow. we appreciate you joining us here. Um, we know that this is a late evening interview for us. We typically don't interview this late, but it must be even later for you. What's the weather like out in Cleveland right now? It finally cleared up. So we have a few seasons in the spring. We have what's called fake spring, and it's <laughs> second winter, and then it's real spring. Oh. So we're finally into real spring. We're pretty sure that we won't get another snowstorm in March. Oh, that's so funny. So, so you're pretty much out of the clear for as far as snowfall goes, you think? We think so, but I say that now, and I've probably just jinxed the whole city. So, you know, <laughs> we'll see what happens. Now, fake spring, is it one of those things where it's like gets unseasonably warm and then all of a sudden, like a week later, you get this cold snap and everybody's like, what happened? I was going to wear my shorts today. That's exactly it. It was beautiful for a week and then it just snowed. We had all tons of ice and I had to chisel out my car oh my um, from under a sheet of ice. And then uh, today it was like in the 50s and sunny and it was just absolutely gorgeous. So, okay, now that you mentioned this sheet of ice, chipping out your car from a sheet of ice, I was watching this little TikTok video and it was a total meme or a joke about like living out in the Midwest. And it was this person that was saying that it was their car protector, kind of like their screen protector from their phone. But they, they went to chisel away the ice and this whole sheet of ice like just completely fell off of their car. And I was like, oh, I guess that the ice is kind of like a screen protector for your phone. 
Right. That's one way to look at it. <laughs> you just have to very carefully take it off every time. Yeah. Will it shatter your windshield if it's on there? If you take it off like too harshly or what? I think that will happen if you like try to pour hot water on it. That will definitely get you a cracked windshield. There's been really? videos on YouTube of people doing that. It's oh. not a very smart move. <laughs> I, that was the first thought I would have done. I would have grabbed like warm water, like microwave <laughs> a cup of water and pour it. That's the first thing I would have done. That's so funny. And this is the reason why you don't live in the Midwest. I know. I would die. I would literally die. It'd be like a snowman of me on the on the driveway. Like, there's Chris out there, the snowman. He's dead. He froze to death. No, Eddie, are you originally from the Cleveland area or did you grow up somewhere else? Uh, originally from Akron, which is about 30 minutes away. But they're two separate cities and everyone will tell you whether they're from Cleveland or Akron. It's kind of a big deal whether you're from one city or the other. Um, no one likes to think of the other one as their sister or brother city. Which one's better, your opinion? Nobody's listening. <laughs> oh, I think a lot of people are listening. All my friends <laughs> wanted to hear this podcast. <laughs> So honestly, as a small city, Akron has a lot going for it. But if I had to pick between the two, I think Cleveland wins out for its restaurants. Um, oh. It's something not a lot of people know about, but we've got chefs like Michael Simon that are here and other people that have been on the Food Network. And they've got sh restaurants all around the city. Um, so you can't go wrong when you go out. Well, I love a good restaurant. So I think we're going to have to make a trip to Cleveland for sure, Chris, because I'm definitely a foodie. <laughs> Now, being from Ohio, I thought I remembered that there's some famous TV shows or like sitcoms that are set in the Ohio area. Are there any that you can recall that were based in like Cleveland or Akron? The one that comes to mind is the Drew Carey show. That's what I thought. I'm pretty sure that was set in Cleveland. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah, I think it was. Beyond that, I'm not entirely sure. I'm trying to rack my brain. Uh, we've had a few movies filmed here. Um, I remember, I think it was um, a few Marvel movies. Oh. Um, I think one of the Avengers movies, maybe, and a Batman movie, possibly. I think The Dark Knight, possibly. Uh, don't quote me on any of this. I'm not a movie buff. Um, but yeah, we've had some movies movies filmed downtown, which has been pretty cool to see them show up on the big screen. That's pretty amazing. Now, with living in Cleveland in this bustling metropolis, what do you do for your full-time work? I work at a private jet company as their internal communication specialist. So what does that mean? Is like you talking to the cockpit, to the pilot, to the radio tower type stuff? No, I actually talk to the employees. So I handle employee communications that go out to the company. So it's like internal marketing to get ideas and information out to all of the employees. So what's like a crazy idea that you guys like, you know, snowball bounce off each other? Like, hey, uh, do you think that maybe we can go to the moon next week or, you know, like uh, stuff like that? I think that's been talked about at some point. Uh, we are talking a lot about the future of flight. And um, yeah, we are really looking forward to, I guess, all of the advances in aviation and what those are going to bring and hopefully positioning ourselves to take advantage of them. Now, being in internal communications, do you also have to oversee like branding and messaging and make sure that before emails go out that you have an eye on them so that things don't get said that are intended to be put in writing? Uh, to an extent. Uh, sometimes I'm helping out with a lot of the copy for the emails, but not too much. We have a very large marketing team. So we have many people that help out with every single task. My job is more about what's going out to the employees and what communications we send to them. We have an internal communications platform that's uh, very similar to like Facebook or Instagram without all of the fancy features and benefits. 
So I manage that a lot of times and people are posting pictures of planes, what's going on in their daily lives. And I help moderate a lot of that content. Now, are they like, uh, are you not like allowed to take pictures or post certain things that are like company private type stuff? Like, I mean, obviously, I mean, sure. Oh, yeah. like trade secrets. Type well, kind of thing? yeah, but also I know our company has got a big like class that I got to take every year. It says like, you're not allowed to share anything outside the company stuff with anybody else, social media, emails, friends, family, stuff like that. You guys have like a clause you have to sign? Pretty much. Uh, we're pretty strict on what can be shared externally. So one thing that um, our owners come to us for is confidentiality. So I can't really say, you know, who flies with us at all. Um, I wish I could name the names, but I'm not allowed to do that. So yeah, we keep everything right. under tight under a tight wrap uh, inside, but we do allow things to, um, you know, with care, uh, go out onto the internet and our social media platforms. So how far do your planes travel? Like, what, what are you like only domestic or worldwide or what? Uh, we're international. Okay. Now, how far international? Is there like a limit to that? No, not necessarily. Um, we reach... Uh, we can reach almost any destination within reason. Um, we've got Gulf Streams and uh, G650s that can, you know, have a tremendous range. So okay. our owners can go anywhere they would like. I, I always see little small jets. I always kind of wonder how far can they make on a ticket gas, you know? You mean like the ones you see the Kardashians in that are like 10-seater kind of things? I guess, yeah. But how far can those go? That is a really good question. You'd have to ask a pilot. I just do <laughs> I the internal work. <laughs> um it really just depends. Uh, some of the smaller jets do just do domestic flights That's where the thought, larger yeah. jets can do the international ones. Well, thanks for sharing a little bit about your professional background. It helps us to know a little bit more about you, but we were very excited to have you on the show today. Me specifically, because as you are a professional speechwriter, I definitely want to pick your brain about something that's in my wheelhouse. So one thing you may not know about me, Eddie is I'm a wedding planner in that's my on my free time. And I read somewhere that you can help me empower my people to stop giving 45-minute toasts they at weddings. 45-minute toasts? Oh, no, my gosh. Don't. Honey, the other night, I was at a wedding and I told them to limit them to just like two or three minutes tops. Each of the people took 18 minutes and they had five speeches. It was oh, they all kind of the same thing. Like, yes, ramp, they like, were all trying to one up the other person and tell stories about your, themselves. Yeah, okay, and, wow. Oh, have you ever run into that, Eddie, where you go to a wedding as a guest and you're like, I just wish that I could have helped them not do this? <laughs> yes, very much. A few times I've been at a few ceremonies where it's just like, oh no, they didn't prepare or they had way too many drinks ahead of time, and it just went in the, the wrong direction when they gave their toast. And I, I just wish I could have helped out or said, look, you know, here are some ground rules for doing this in terms of, you know, giving a toast. Now, how did you become a speechwriter? So I used to be a teacher and really loved the profession, um, did it for five years, and actually decided to do something different at that point. I was truthfully a little bit burnt out. And I thought I was going to be a public speaking coach for people, but I had no business sense at that time whatsoever and could not get a client to save my life. Um, but I didn't, I had done a lot of writing in college and taken classes on rhetoric and I was part of the mock trial team. So I thought to myself, well, why not speeches? And I looked on uh, this website called Elance, it's now called Upwork. And at the time they had people posting that they needed speeches written. So oh, I wow. thought, well, 
why don't I try this out? Let's see if they go for my pitch. I've got nothing to lose here. Uh, I did a few pitches and got them, got a few clients as a result. And then probably shouldn't tell Upwork this at this point, but I got them, got those clients to join me offline. <laughs> and uh, I started working with them privately. And from there, it snowballed with uh, referrals coming back to me. I taught myself how to put together a website, how to do SEO, how to do content marketing, and it just grew from there. That's amazing. And so now, how many speeches are you writing annually, do you think? It really depends on the year. Uh, COVID was um, an anomaly, mainly because it shut down so many events, so I couldn't write speeches for those events. Um, but once everyone started to be a lot more comfortable with the with having events after COVID, um, I would say I, I write anywhere from 25 to 50 speeches in a year. Oh, wow. So, Eddie, uh, when you write a speech for somebody else... How do you do that? Like, how do you take that take that on? Because you're not them. So how do you figure that out? Exactly. And that's what, probably one of the biggest questions my clients have for me when they come to me. They're just like, how in the world are you going to get my voice? How are we going to do this? And I say, look, it's a partnership. What we do is we start with a brainstorming questionnaire that I have pegged to different types of speeches. So if it's a wedding toast, a keynote speech, a TED Talk, whatever it is, I've got questions ready for that client. They fill out that questionnaire. We talk on the phone and go through those answers in depth. If it's a short speech, we only need like one phone call to make that happen. But then a longer speech may need multiple phone calls to go super in depth with their ideas. And from there, I create a first draft based off of the brainstorming questionnaire and the phone call. I send it to the client. I get their feedback on it. And we go back and forth on revisions until it's as good as it needs to be. Now, how do you figure out like timing wise? Because some speeches are supposed to be like certain amount of minutes. Do you try to nail that time or what? I do. That's one of the big questions that I ask them ahead of time is just, you know, what's your time length for this speech? You know, when are you giving this speech during the evening or whenever it is? And what I do is I have a rule of we speak around 150 words per minute. So I just take 150 multiply that by the number of minutes the person's going to be speaking for. And that's my target word count that I try to hit within plus or minus 100 words. Now, with that being said, speeches are, like Chris was saying, they're deeply personal. So do you find that people wrestle with like how to actually take your words and make them their own? Or do you help them with the delivery of the speech also? If we have the time, I help them with the delivery. So that's one of the add-on services that I'll offer and say, look, after we have the speech ready to go, we can practice it together. Or I have a few people in my referral network that specifically do speech coaching, and I will refer them out to them as well and say, hey, this person can help you take it to the final version of it with you actually practicing it out loud. So it's just something that I can provide or I can offer you know, help from other people as well. So Eddie, um, I, I think personally, I would think that for for somebody new doing a speech like on their own, well, they're very nervous for the first part. But I would say that because of the nerves, I would think that their rhythm and their pacing would be like amplified a little bit to rush through the speech. Do you find that a lot with your clients? It really depends on the speaker. Um, I have people that come to me that are polished speakers who just don't have the time to write a speech, and they're really good at delivering the speech, whereas others are more um, novice speakers, and they definitely need that little bit of extra help and coaching 
Uh, and we definitely talk through that on the call when we're going over, okay, now that we have the speech, what are the next steps with it? So I do give them tips on, you know, you need to rehearse your speech multiple times and along with relaxation techniques such as deep breathing to help calm their nerves. So it helps them um, deliver their speech more effectively. What about like reading a script? Like I know you're supposed to like not be staring down the entire time you're giving a speech, but uh, what is a tip to really do that and kind of look at your notes at the same time? What I tell people is when you're preparing it, you should internalize your speech. Um, and that means practice it enough that the script or the note cards that you're going to use are simply backups. Or I give a tip called scaffolded memorization, where you take the whole speech itself, practice it multiple times, then you rewrite it in outline form. And then you give the speech just from that outline, and then you don't worry about missing like ands and thes and just small words like that. And then you give it again with a shorter outline until you are down to just a skeleton. And you can, if you can give the speech from there, you've internalized it by that point. That makes a lot of sense. Now, when you are working with developing a speech, do you come across people that like their reason for coming to you is just because they're afraid of public speaking? It's partly that. And other times it's they just don't have the ideas yet. And that's where my brainstorming questionnaire really comes in is it really helps get the ideas flowing. I've had people, and this is kind of unfortunate, after they've gone through the brainstorming process say, well, I don't really need you anymore because I've got all of my ideas and I can write this <laughs> speech on my own. So well, that you happens charge them for that? You charge them for that, right? Right now I do. I learned my lesson. <laughs> okay, um, yeah, I get a deposit up front and say, look, you know, regardless of what happens after the deposit, you know, we're, it's it's not refundable. That's good. So what is like the longest speech you've had to like work for somebody? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, a lot of mine are around 20 minutes in length for keynote speeches, but mm-hmm. I have gone up to an hour. Okay. Wow. Okay. Right. That's yeah. a lot of words. <laughs> well, yes. yeah. I mean, so, so was 20 minutes seem like the norm for like an average TED Talk speak- speech? Is there like a 20 minutes-ish? Yeah, for TED Talks, you get cut off at 18 minutes, I believe, is the cutoff. Oh, they pull the little hook? I seen that. They get the hook out and they yank you off <laughs> exactly, stage. Exactly. Pull the cord down. The music starts to play kind of like at the Oscars. Exactly. And like, you know, time to go. Oh, have you written um, any Oscar speeches? I have not. I have not. I wish I could. Um, <laughs> I, I wish I had those connections, but I need to move to LA, I think, to make that happen. Do you think they're too, like, thinky or do you think they should wrap them up? Or think they're too, I mean, some, some of them go in, like, this weird direction where it's like, now we're going to talk about the environment and the whales, and uh, then I'm going to thank my mom. You know, and they kind of go both directions. See what I'm saying? Oh, very much. I tell people with any type of toast, whether it's like an award speech or a wedding toast, honor the person, honor the event. If you can do those two things, then you're good to go. But yeah, you're right. When they just go off onto these tangents, it, it just the speech loses all of its momentum at that point. And you're just like, what are we talking about now? We right. didn't come yes. for a keynote on the whales. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, it's interesting that you had mentioned that. And we brought up the wedding toast at the beginning. Because what I will notice about every one of the wedding toasts gone wrong is they'll start out really good. And they kind of get to the point really quickly, like in that first minute. And then people feel the need to fill the space for the next 75 minutes or however long their toast is just to, I don't know, it's almost like they they don't know how to close the loop on it. So when you're writing a toast, what's that typical 
approach if there was a formula to writing a toast speech? Sure. I like to keep them around three to five minutes in length, which is around maybe 450 to 750 words. Um, Not too much, not too little. And, you know, it's a super basic structure for any type of wedding toast is to tell one great story that have a heartfelt message for one member of the couple, a heartfelt message for the other member of the couple, and then your closing cheers, which is just a one to two line toast that you can then just do at the end. And that should get you through the toast very quickly and easily without anyone getting hurt. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, because so I've basically seen... avoid people getting hurt, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, because I've seen those ones where it's like the the story that they choose to tell is not that story that should be told at the wedding. It's like, that's the one everybody wishes that hey, you would Bob, forget. Hey, Bob, don't you remember the time you got arrested by the cops? <laughs> or remember when you picked up that girl in Vegas? I've had that happen once. And it's like, not the time. <laughs> Read the room. Yeah. <laughs> I call it the in-laws test. If you're sitting down with the couple's in-laws at dinner, would you tell that same story to them sitting right there with you? If that answer is yes, go ahead and tell it. But if that answer is no, then you know keep that for the bachelor or bachelorette night and uh, don't put it out on the wedding night. Yeah, I would say also don't mention it in church. If you, if you don't want to say it in church <laughs> for everyone to hear, then I probably wouldn't say it. You know, That's fair. Yeah. That's a great rule too. Now, for individuals that are listening, so many different people are in positions where they have to engage in public speaking. And I know me for one – I can get a bit of anxiety before I get in front of a crowd. So how do you help your clients alleviate that fear of public speaking? It comes in a few ways. I think first is preparation. We get super scared when we're just not prepared to speak, whether it's like at the last minute or you just haven't ran through your speech enough times, that can definitely amp up the anxiety. But for actual techniques, I talked about deep breathing earlier, where you breathe in for a count of three hold it for a count of three, and then exhale for a count of three, repeat, adding an additional count, four, five, six, each time. What that's going to do, it's going to bring your heart rate down and your breathing rate down, and it's going to put you in a much more focused and relaxed frame of mind, ready to give your speech. That makes a whole lot of sense. And I I can say that like when I am involved in any type of speaking, breathing is really important for sure. Very much. And it also can help you cut out the ums and the ahs. Very often, people will fill the silence with ums and ahs trying oh, to find their next yeah. thought. That's <laughs> a podcast I, you got a crutch for many. So instead, what I tell people to do is just in those moments where you're about to say it is, is, is instead, sorry, excuse me, um, just breathe. Just breathe for a moment, take a pause, take a breath, and you'll be much better in terms of your effective delivery but then you also won't have the ums and the ahs sticking out all over the place. And do you feel that that helps people be better conversationalists? Also, the more that they practice public speaking, that it helps them enter into uh, what's, as I just say, uh, (laughs) the kind of um, unstructured conversations where a small talk, that's the word that I'm looking for. I think it could definitely help. Um, One thing that I've noticed is if you're maybe part of something like Toastmasters, they're a worldwide club that help people become better speakers. You start to learn how to tell better stories. And that's something that can definitely carry over into small talk and other conversations that you're having with people. Yeah, I heard that uh, great storytelling is uh, something that you really 
have to hone in on and really practice and really know, I guess, really know the end in mind when you do tell a story in kind of, so what are the key points of telling a story? Like if you're going to tell a story, like a small talk storytelling just for like five minutes or if not even that, what would be a key point you have to really hit on that? Well, every great story has a beginning, a middle, and an end to it. Um, but also great stories have conflict with them. They have a hero or heroine who has to overcome some sort of obstacle to get to their goal. If you have that in your story, you're going to be much better off in explaining what you're trying to explain rather than just telling a series of random events that happened. <laughs> like a lot of people do. <laughs> yes. As Chris is pointing at himself. Uh, so the, he started out when you were talking about there has to be a hero of the story. And he's like, if you could see us right now, he's like flexing his muscles and like pointing at himself <laughs> like, I'm the hero. I'm the hero. And then you said some kind of conflict. And he like points his finger at me. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> what am I? Like the queen of conflict? Uh, but then, you know, getting to the point and not deviating, I think, is something that it's it's a learned strategy because the natural tendency for a lot of people when they're telling a story is to tell every single little detail. I get into that habit when I'm telling a story and after like 10 minutes, people's eyes glaze over where it's, you know, you start off talking this beautiful story and then seven minutes later, people are like, what was you know, the point funny, of this? <laughs> it's funny you say that. Right. My dad will say something like so, so obscure and I say, well, what's the weather like that day? You know, like it doesn't matter, you know. <laughs> but that is a good point. Um, you only want to tell the essential parts of the story. So you want to think about it kind of like a blockbuster movie, and you only want to have the key plot points that are going to move the story forward. Everything else is just details. And if you include tons of details, you're going to be up there giving in your speech, giving it for way too long. Instead, it's better to pare back and just give the main highlights of what you want to talk about. Now, you've told us about your experience with speech writing, but how did you become this expert in writing speeches in general? A lot of practice. Uh, just helping out clients and just writing and rewriting and then even taking courses online for speech writing. Um, there's free courses and paid courses out there. So I'm someone who just loves to continually educate myself. And there's also just great books out there on speech writing as well. So I'm just this nerd that loves reading speech writing books or books on rhetoric and presentations. And I just absorb that material and then try to apply it to this the speeches that I write. So Eddie, what would you say would be an example? We would have like, say like a bad speech versus a good speech. What are the main key differences that somebody would pick up on? Ooh, that's a really good question. I'm trying to think here. Um, I know. When he asked that, I was like looking at him like, that was a good one, Chris. Well, that's off the top of my head, all right? That's the best I got, okay? It's good. It's good. I think I can start with the bad speech. So I think of just most boring work presentations are just full of PowerPoints that oh, are filled yeah. with text. Oh, yeah. Just It's just the lines and lines of text, and all the person is doing is just reading it because the way they prepped their presentation was they fired a PowerPoint, and they just started writing down their bullet points without any indication of structure, of having a main point, of telling a story. They just didn't do any of those things. They just wrote their bullet points into PowerPoint and they gave that as their presentation. That to me is definitely a bad speech. Do you think also maybe like the, the way they present it where like they have this monotone tone to the way they talk? It's like blah, 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 blah. And it keeps on going in that kind of beat, you know? 
Where it's yeah, you can like, kind of tell. Oh, good. You know what I'm saying? I feel like that makes you want to go to sleep, you know, when I, when I hear that tone. Oh, very much. And it's just kind of like they've, they're almost defeated and the light has gone out and the motivation isn't there. And it's really hard then when you don't have the motivation as a speaker to get other people motivated about your ideas. Yeah, I didn't think about it in that way, but speech writing is and giving a speech is inspiring people. And so if you're going out there just to share information and not to bring some fresh energy into whatever the space is where you're speaking, it seems like it could definitely fall flat very easily. Oh, undoubtedly. So what would be a good one then? Like a really a good fired up like, hurrah, let's do this speech. What would it have? Let's see here. It usually starts with the preparation by the speaker. They've figured out what their main point is and they can tell it to you in a sentence. Second, the speaker is just passionate about their topic so much that it just shows through. I think of every single great TEDx speech that's out there and you have these passionate speakers on stage that truly care about their ideas and wanting to share them with the audience. And then there's stories that are told and the stories are on point, they're relevant and they help amplify the speaker's message. And then there's just a good structure behind it, whether it's just you know three main points or three stories, whatever it is, the speaker has a structure, they stick to it, they have a great opening, a great closing, and they do it in the time allotted or even under. No one has ever complained that speech was too short. Really? Huh. No, no one has told me. Okay, They've okay. never complained I, I, about that, but I've heard about every other speech that was way too way long. Too long. That's true. That is a good point. Yeah. Now, Eddie, when you are watching politicians or people give like State of the Union addresses or any type of big speech, are you sitting there and critiquing it and deciding whether or not it's a good or a bad speech? I am to an extent. I just know kind of the process that goes into those where their speech is done by committees. So it's really hard to just get something like the State of the Union done incredibly well from a rhetoric standpoint. It's not like, you know, it's just that one person or president that wrote the speech. It was a team of speechwriters and analysts and everyone else working behind them. A huge amount of hard work goes into those speeches, but it's really hard when they're done by committee to do them incredibly well. And it also takes the speaker to be really good to deliver them. Um, Yeah. Now, if there's analysts and things like that, are they analyzing every word to make sure that it doesn't create some type of outrage? Is that why it's difficult? Yeah, those words are carefully chosen. Um, Each word has a particular meaning. And, you know, people know that certain words are going to be taken the wrong way by the opposition or even by the base that they're trying to appeal to. So you have to just be incredibly careful with language that's used and Also, you know, in terms of, you know, what promises are being made and can those promises be kept? That's a really hard thing for a lot of politicians to do when you have a gridlocked Congress or any other constituency that isn't going to be helpful to you. I know that after every speech, there's always CNN or Fox. One of them always have their fact checker checkers Mm -hmm. are always out there checking all the facts in every speech. They have like always they, they break it down a whole formula about it. Now, when you're writing a speech, wouldn't you have to fact check everything before you write it down into the speech? You would think you'd do that, right? Yes, it's something that I definitely do. If I'm citing something, I have a source for it and we have a backup document where those sources are cited. I think in 
I think what's happening, though, is people are drawing from different sources that might be authoritative on the issue, but have differing views, or there's just different ways to interpret it. So there's always, when it comes to politics, some sort of spin going on with the analysis. And, you know, even the fact checker, fact checkers might not be fact checking as much as fact spinning at times. Okay. Interesting. It's kind of wild how they do that. Now, with writing speeches, as they are deeply personal, how does a person present their perspective without it coming across as being cocky or conceited? Because nobody wants to listen to somebody stand up and brag about themselves for 20 what? minutes. Are you talking about me? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So I've definitely had that happen with clients who come to me and I'm asking them about their personal story. And I, was, and I want them to tell that personal story because oftentimes it's inspiring, it's motivating, it teaches certain lessons. And the person doesn't always see it that way. And so once I tell them to think about it in a different way, saying, look, your story can truly help somebody if you tell it in a way that shows the lessons that you learned, that it showed growth, those things can help keep you away from just being um, you know, someone who brags or who is completely conceited in giving their speech. So I think you have to understand also the you know, purpose of the event as well. So if it's a wedding toast, the speech is not about you. It's about the couple getting married. So that's not a time for your own personal stories unless they somehow relate back. But if it's your retirement toast, well, we would love to hear the story of your life and the people that helped you out along the way and the lessons that you learned and the wisdom that you can impart to everyone. You can do it that way without coming off as bragging. Oh, that makes a lot Wait, of well, sense. Wait, how, how, how does it come off not as bragging? It's about you saying all the accomplishments that I've done over the last 30, 40 years, right? Right. But you can put them in the context of these are the lessons that I learned. These are the mistakes that I made. You can add some humility to it okay. by saying, hey, here's where I stumbled. Here's where I fell, but I improved or grew because of it. That's what the, those are the stories people like to hear. It's not just a li- you know if you do go up there and just list every single great thing that you did, then yeah, you're definitely coming off as bragging. Now, Chris, do you know what humility is? Maybe uh, maybe we need Eddie wo- to give you a little lesson is that, on that. Is that a word in the dictionary? <laughs> Look that up. Being humble. What? Being humble. <laughs> Chris likes to talk about himself a I lot. Do That's not. why. Yes, you do. I'm just nothing, jabbing nothing at wrong him. with that. <laughs> With your expertise in speech writing, Eddie, a little birdie told me that you have a big accomplishment that's going to be making its debut in the next couple of months, bringing all of this good learning to the people of the world. What is that big project that you're about to unveil to the world? Sure. Uh, Due out in April of 2022 is going to be the book Toast, Short Speeches, Big Impact. And it's going to be a book that's going to help you craft a toast for any occasion, big or small, whether it's a wedding toast, a retirement toast, an award ceremony toast, a birthday toast. Uh, This book is going to give you a six-step method, excuse me, seven-step method for putting all of your ideas together from brainstorming to writing to rehearsing. All of the steps will be laid out. You can follow them. That's the exact same advice that I give my clients. I simply wrote it down in book form, and I'm really looking forward to having it out. Fantastic. It, is this your first book you've ever written? It is. How exciting is this moment for you that you are right almost at the finish line of being able to bring this baby to the world? It's pretty exciting. It's been a work in progress for about three years. And it's been something that I've been doing off and on, and it's always been kind of hanging over my head. So finally, I was able to take a step back at one moment, 
uh, create a better outline for it. And once I had that, I was able to finish the book. That's fantastic. And are you going to do anything special to commemorate the launch of your book? Any book signing parties or uh, toasts that you're going to give? Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Well, hopefully other people will give toasts at the launch party. Um, But yes, I'm definitely planning. um, We've got a really cool wine bar on the east side of Cleveland um, that I'm planning to have the party at. That's exciting. And so I think that you should require all of your guests to read your book before they come and give toast. That would be so fun. (laughs) I would do that. But I think the fear of public speaking would probably scare too many away. (laughs) But I love that idea. (laughs) So can you give any tips about your seven-step process? Maybe a little clues about what it's about? Sure. Um, It starts with uh, brainstorming your speech, just like we talked about earlier with the questionnaire. I have the same questions in there that I ask my clients, and it's going to get the ideas rolling. From there, it's about then creating an effective outline or structure for your speech. And I give multiple examples of different structures that you can use, whether it's basing your speech around one story or three stories or topics. I've got an outline for how you're supposed to do that. Then I have writing tips of just how to get that first draft written. Um, I love just you know, going away, finding a different place to write and sitting down and just writing it from start to finish. Oh, that's from a there, good idea. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I find when I'm distracted by things, I can't get anything done. So it's easier if you change your environment to go write somewhere else. If that's your office, if it's a co-working space, Starbucks, Starbucks, <laughs> a hotel room, whatever you need to do to get it written. Uh, I've got tips in there to help you write it. Okay, fantastic. So, um, with- oh, he was only halfway through. Oh, I'm so, sorry. Go so, ahead. what are the rest of them, Eddie? <laughs> so, then um, editing. The big tip I can give for editing any speech or anything that you write is to edit it out loud. So, what you want to do is you want to give your speech and record it and then listen back to it. And that's going to tell you like which phrases are awkward which lines are landing well, and it's a really easy step that you can do on your own without needing anyone else to give you feedback. But if you want to have a critical friend in your life, you know, that person that can give you true feedback, who's not too positive, not too negative, but like right down the middle, I suggest finding that person to give you feedback on your toast. Okay, so I'm going to pause you there for a second because that is gold right there. And I have to tell you that when I prepare for interviews, I use that strategy because in interviewing, it's like mini speeches where you have to be able to answer the question, tell a little story and like wrap it up with a bow. But what I learned is that if I just went into interviews cold without practicing and getting comfortable with my responses, that I would stumble over them or it would sound too scripted and too rehearsed. And so one of the things that I do is I I use like my ring light and I'll put my cell phone in the middle of it and I'll record myself answering those questions so that I can watch them and give myself feedback around where I was too stiff, where maybe that phrase or that story isn't quite hitting the mark. And it's very uncomfortable at first, but then the more that you get comfortable with seeing yourself speaking, the more you can recognize some of those patterns that might not be as productive in the way that you're presenting information. And I'll tell you, that really helped me significantly as seeing myself. It wasn't a friend that was giving me feedback. It was me recording myself for myself. 
Yes, very much. I, I agree with that 100%. And I know people don't necessarily like the sound of their own voice at first, but if you listen to it enough, you get used to it and you're golden after that. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, especially with podcasting. I keep hearing one major complaint with podcasters. They always say is like they don't like listening to their own voice like ever. So they'll put an episode out and never hear it back because they can't stand their own voice. I said, why did you even do the episode then if you, <laughs> if you don't like your own voice? How am I supposed to like it? You don't like it, you know? Right. Now, are there any remaining steps, Eddie? I know I, I stopped you as you were still sharing the last couple. So after you've edited your speech, it's really just on to rehearsal and edit and practice. Um, that's really the last step is you want to make sure that you give yourself enough time that you, if it's a short speech, that you run it maybe at least 10 times before the big day. Um, I just love that number. It's just a nice round number to use. But you want to have it rehearsed enough that you've internalized it. And the note cards or notes that you use up there are just there for backup. So, Eddie, I know that uh, when you do hear a really good speech that looks like it was not even like prepped at all, but just flows out so natural and so beautifully, like it just was perfect. And then you get the one that seems like it was overly rehearsed, where it was like tripping over every little thing. And he's like, oh, I forgot to say this. Oh, no, I I meant to say this. Oh, I meant to say that. And you're just tripping over everything left and right. You know what I'm saying? Um, You know? I do. I do. And I think that's really comes down to maybe not necessarily the rehearsal, but you have to just trust yourself when you're giving the speech. No one's going to know if you've made a mistake or if you put a line in the wrong place. They don't have a script of your speech at their table. Okay, so yeah. just go ahead and give the speech as you want to give it and just keep giving it without trying to tell the audience that you made a mistake <laughs> or you screwed up. <laughs> yeah, Instead, go just go for it, go for it and give the whole speech. And no one's going to be the wiser. If you left out a whole section, they'll think you did a great job in the end. Okay. So just basically keep it going. Don't try to like go back and say, wait a second, that mother C part. Let me go back. By the way, my mother's (laughs) name was this and this and this and this. Like we're already on something else, you know? So I wonder if that happens quite a bit with people giving speeches. They just totally jack it up and then they just skip out a whole page or something or a paragraph. I think so. It does happen. I've done it myself when I've had to give speeches before where I had maybe five points to make and I made four and the audience had no clue that I missed the fifth point. But you, <laughs> I didn't you tell them up that I was going to do five points. No, I just told them I've got you know these things to talk about today and I did not tell them I've got five points and only hit four. Oh, that's smart. <laughs> okay. I would have said I got five things and then like then three and like where's the other two? I don't know. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I totally did that on a call yesterday. I was talking with someone and I was like, there's two points that I wanted to discuss. And then I went through it. And at the end, they were like, so I heard one point. And I was like, oh, <laughs> let me revisit the second one for you. I think that I just slid it in there, but I'll go back through it again. And they were like, oh, thank you so much. But yeah, that's a, that's a good strategy too, is these are some points that I'd like to share with you because if you forget one, nobody's going to notice. <laughs> well, if you call them exactly. out the, if they're, at the very beginning of every speech, if you said, we're going to talk about this, this, and this, and you forget to talk about this, this, or that, then maybe, you know, so maybe you're saying go in kind of like a... Like, I'm not say wing the front end, but maybe not to be so scripted on the front end. Or have your notes as a, as like a, what do you call it? Like a, a back- backup strategy. Right. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm more of an off the fly kind of guy. So I don't know. <laughs> what you are, I could have never told Chris. I know, I know. You don't rehearse? You uh, didn't rehearse all this? Of course not. Are you kidding me? I was busy playing it's football a- with the kids. <laughs> Sounds well prepared to me. Good job. (laughs) I know. Well, thank you so much. Now, where can our listeners find out more about you, about your book, and about all of the wonderful things that you do and hire you for your wonderful speech writing? Sure. For the book, um, it'll be on Amazon in April. 
of this year. Um, but if you want to get a free chapter of the book, you can go to my website, ricespeechwriting.com. That's R-I-C-E followed by speechwriting.com. Uh, sign up for a free chapter of the book and there's a contact form on the website if you want to work with me on any type of speech that you'd like to give. That's fantastic. And so can people pre-purchase your book right now or is it they just have to wait and set a little alarm bell on Amazon to let them know when it comes available? <laughs> they have that? Yeah, I wish I did a pre-order, but at the same time, I've got a very small following. So it just didn't make tons of sense to do a large, pre like to try to do a pre-order launch sure. and do all of these things all at once for very little gain. So I'll you'll just have to wait until the book is released. It's with an editor right now. Then it's going to go to formatting and then it'll be out in April. That's my promise to you. So just look out for it. Or if you sign up for my email list on my website through the free chapter, I'll let you know definitely when it's released. I love that. And so for our listeners, definitely get out there and check out Eddie's work and download that copy of that free chapter and get ready to purchase that book because we're all about supporting other individuals, entrepreneurs, and small businesses. And Eddie, we want to definitely support you. Now, if our listeners reach out and they loved everything that they heard here, because we know that they will, and if they want to get an autographed copy of your book... Ooh. How can they get a hold of one of those? Uh, you can request it. I'll, I'll have a print version of the book and we'll be able to order copies of it. And I will definitely be able to autograph those copies. So just email me, eddie at ricespeechwriting.com, and I'll make the autograph version available to you when it's ready. That's fantastic. Now, Eddie, before we wrap this out, any last little tips for our listeners around making those speeches memorable? Just remember the two goals of any toast. Honor the person, honor the event. You want to talk about and give stories that honor the people that are there to be honored um, by you and your words. And you want to honor the event by making sure that what you're saying is on point, it's relevant, and it's family friendly to the people in the audience. Fantastic. And above all, um, brainstorm your speech, have a structure, and rehearse it. Rehearse, 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 and get feedback, and you will do an amazing job. Well, thank you so much, Eddie, for all of this great advice. I'm going to recommend this episode to every single one of my couples that are getting ready to get married to share with all of their bridal party and their family members about how to write a memorable toast. Thanks so much for being on the show with us today. Thanks, Eddie. Thank you, Kristen and Christine. Hey there, K2 crew. We love having you as our loyal listeners. To keep up to date with what's happening behind the scenes, check us out on social media. Yeah, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. And don't forget to follow our Facebook page. Yeah, tag us in your favorite fun stories. And guess what? You might just end up on the show. Ooh, ooh. You know, Eddie was great for uh, coming on by here on the show today. I know. And it's very rare that we actually do an interview and publish the episode on the same day. So it's like super Wait, hot off the presses. Are you sure? It, everything happens live here. What are you talking about? <laughs> the day we record this yeah, is the day Eddie's still sitting right here. He hasn't left on our private jet Hey, Eddie, yet. you put your keys, buddy. Uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> no, I really love it when it's so fresh. And not that, not that we don't have it fresh all the time, but it's really interesting when we just get to do the interview and go right into the episode, I think. Oh, I know everything happens uh, flow and fantastic. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Chris, where can our listeners find more about us? Well, you can always go to the website on the old interweb. That is chrisandchristineshow.com. And what about on social media? Well, you want to go over to the old Twitter, tweet, tweet. You can go to at the K2 Show San Diego. Is that what it is? No. Yeah. No, it's, no, it's at, no, it's at 
K2 Show San Diego. And then what about on Instagram? Is it the K2 Show it's San Diego? It's the K2 Show San Diego. I love that. Yes. Well, or I, you just type in the Chris and Christine show on either or. I think it'll pull right up. And you don't even have to worry about spelling because this man over here, he's like figured out how even if you spell our name with C's accidentally. It's That's for the website. Re- yeah. Yeah. You can find us still on the internet. So definitely go check us out. Check out this episode from Eddie. Get on his list. Download that free chapter and be able to get first dibs on the first editions of his book. And I know I'm going to grab it and I'm going to try and glean some information so that I can help coach some of my couples and their bridal parties around how to have their better toast. That would be like a great like um, engagement like gift, right? I would think. Right. I would think totally like that. Or a bridal party gift. It's like, here, be my maid of honor and study how to give a good speech because I don't want it to suck. (laughs) Right. Right. And less alcohol is probably better, I would think, maybe. I think so. I think wait for shots until later. But sometimes people seem to give the craziest, like, this is going on Instagram. You know, this is going to be on TikTok (laughs) kind of speeches. I don't know if people want to be famous for that, though. It's like, don't steal my thunder. The rest of us want that. Okay. I saw this one bride, not one of my brides, but somebody else that posted. It's like, don't try and upstage me. Don't be like wearing a nicer dress than me. Don't make your hair and makeup look better than me. Don't go getting engaged at my wedding. Like, no, this is not your day. Does that happen a lot? People get engaged. It's starting to be a trend now, but a lot of the couples will conspire with like a guy to propose. What I see happening most often is where like the bride is getting ready to throw her bouquet and she'll like throw pretend to throw the bouquet over her head but instead of actually releasing it she'll turn around and walk it over and hand it to the girl and then the girl turns around and her guy's behind her on one knee because it's like instead of just randomly throwing the bouquet and somebody grabbing oh, it she's fast. like she's like yeah. like turns around and then she's like walks over and like it would be like me handing it to you and you turn around like what's happening and staged. then yes 100 percent. now now I, I would hope i would hope 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 that they don't try to do the upstaging proposal at the wedding during the ceremony part. Oh, no. Heck no. Before you say I do, hey, uh, Sheila, hey, uh, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> like, We're going to make this a double wedding. Surprise. Oh, man. No. Now, have you had to deal with any bridezillas lately? No, they've all been really lovely. Oh, That's fantastic. That is great to hear. Yeah, by all the way. of my brides have been so great to work with, and I think everybody's just so excited to get married right now, and I'm just, just so excited to help them. Oh, that is wonderful. You're doing the Lord's work right there, baby. <laughs> Thanks so much, babe. Well, thank you everybody for listening to this episode. Make sure to check out our website, follow us on Instagram and on Twitter, and stay tuned for next week when we have a fantastic episode. <laughs>